Welcome to the Beyond Growth Show. I'm here with the always wonderful Claudia Harvey. Well, hello, everybody. I cannot believe February is here. Where did the time go? I could blink ago. It was 2020. Thank goodness it's 2021. Yeah, I, I don't know. We, we came out of 2020 and really excited about 2021 and things changing back to the norm at some point. But yeah, January is just gone. It's gone, head down, gone, which I think a lot of people are experiencing. But anyway, I'm glad 2020 is gone. 2021 is here. So yay, it does. Um, so uh, Craig, who's our guest today? Okay, so today we're going to have Sean Moffat, a leading global authority, executive, author, and keynote speaker, passionate about customers, brands, technology, innovation, and the future. He's also the managing director of Future Proofing and co-founder of the Gray Swan Guild. Future Proofing, I can't wait to find out what that is. Um, I'm also very curious to hear about what Gray Swan Guild is. Yes, I think but, these are going to be two very interesting topics. And everybody, don't forget to like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. And make sure that you click the bell for any notifications and updates to the videos. So did you know, Claudia, that this month is actually National Women's Inventors Month? Well, isn't that appropriate? Since I am an inventor, because I created Digit Handwear, the revolutionary gloves of Digit Apparel. <laughs> so, so yeah, that's very cool. It's a really, really, really great month. Let's bring on Sean. Hello, Sean. Thanks for joining us. Hey, Sean. Welcome. Hey, now. guys. Wow. <laughs> nice enthusiasm to start. <laughs> of course, we have to be positive in today's world, right? Um, so, our, Sean, our online intel tells us it's your birthday today. Happy birthday. Thank you. No, <laughs> I really hate celebrating my birthday, so thanks for bringing that up, Claudia. <laughs> no, I appreciate that. Uh, I'm 30 yet again this year. Yeah, well, that, you know, that's perfect. You know, I, I say I've got my, you know, 20th anniversary of my 40th birthday or something like that. Not that old yet. Not that Wait a old. minute. Wait a minute. <laughs> yeah, not that not working out here. Well, you're going to get another one there, Sean. So happy birthday. <laughs> Thank you so much, guys. So it's great to have you on the show today. So why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? How did you get into the space you're in uh, now? Yeah, so um, my name's Sean Moffat. I run a company called Future Proofing Next, and I have a few other hobbies on the side. Uh, as you can see by my background, I don't know if CN Towers there somewhere, but uh, I reside in Toronto. But in a pre-pandemic world, I seem to be on a plane most of the time. Uh, now it's kind of one of those adjustments of just uh, working remotely. And um, recovering marketers, I'd like to say, I used to be a CMO for a number of different companies, I guess, uh, as any red-blooded kind of Canadian boy, I became like head of marketing for Molson in Canada, Molson Coors in Canada. So, um, so uh, kind of got that t-shirt. And then for the last 15 years of being independent, um, and it seems like every three years, Craig, I, I tack on a new kind of different competency. So I've, every three years, I've tacked on this different group of three-year intervals of kind of learning new stuff to the point now where I think under Future Proving Next, we kind of you know, sometimes in baseball, they call it a five-tool player, somebody that's really good at everything. We've tried to be really good at everything and try to bring the future forward for clients that work with us. So it sounds like your company does what you did in your life. Yeah. You know what? That's a really insightful point. I mean, I think uh, as a former client, I oftentimes use the prism you know, if I was a client again, would I use these people, right? So, um, yeah, I think uh, intuitively that's what we've tried to build. Right, right. Yeah. And so, so your company is uh, future-proofing, correct? 
Future proofing next, yes. Okay, so why don't you tell us a little bit about the company? Yeah, so we've got together. I've I've been dancing with uh, one of my fellow McGraw Hill authors. So this is one of these crazy things where life or art imitates life. We were both authors within McGraw Hill. We stayed in touch with each other, and over the last probably three years, we got really serious about venturing together on something called Future Proofing Next. Um, you've probably heard of IDEO. You've probably heard of a number of different innovation consultancies. We kind of play in that space, although. Um, you know, there's a bit of a rant here in terms of most of innovation or what we call innovation has failed us. Um, most companies are not happy with how they innovate. Uh, most innovation doesn't make the impact it wants to in market. And so we think we're smart enough, experienced enough, uh, are going to work hard enough and passionate enough and have done enough stuff over the last three years to make a dent in um, innovation culture and impact. So that's what we do. So why do you think a lot of companies have failed in that space? Uh, change is tough, right, Claudia? I mean, I think to make it sound easy uh, would be disingenuous. Uh, I think change is so, so tough. Um, I think part of it is they haven't had the ambition. Um, they don't um, kind of look at something and go, a lot of times R&D functions go, we can actually build that as opposed to asking a different question, which is, does the world really want that in the future? And will they be kind of so gravitated by that that they're going to flock to us? Um, so it's a very different starting question. Right. And I think on the other side of it, uh, innovators are not great executors. I will repeat that. Innovators are not great executors. And I don't care how great your idea is, if you can't make it to the marketplace right. inside the company and then scale it when it's outside the company, Right. It's extraordinarily challenging. So I think part of my marketing background has helped us right. merge what is innovation, culture, and practice with what is, how do we actually grow this new thing that we've built? Yeah. Well, I think there's three steps to innovation and growing. It's like getting the idea, the germination of the idea, like the aha moment. Then it's the starting process and trying to get it off the ground. And you're usually running on a drill in for a year or two years. But then it's the ongoing concern of trying to keep that innovation alive and not getting bored with the toughness of how hard to do it and, uh, and fearing what you might not be really good at. So, um, so how, do you, how do you address all of those different starting points in a company? Well, first of all, where were you like a year and a half ago when we were writing our book, Claudia? That's <laughs> extraordinarily insightful, but uh, very succinct as well. So how do we do it? Um, I think one is we have an end-to-end -end operating system. And it's interesting. We've worked with some of the biggest consultancies in the world in partnership. And we ask, well, what's your approach? How do you work with your clients? And we soon get the answer, wow, they're doing it by Yoohoo glue and masking tape. Like they yeah. really don't have right. it figured out either. Right. And so um, we have a four-step pro process called see, learn, decide, commit. And it's interesting. Some of the most simple, simple heuristics in terms of how to go to market uh, are takes so long to build. Like it's like the Mark Twain line. It's like, I would have written a shorter letter if I had more time. Right. And so see, <laughs> learn, that. decide, commit is kind of our, our backbone and structure. And we've built 36 tools and 50 different uh, landscapes and a number of different things to support um, that whole thing all new to the world. Wow. Right. Very cool. So, so you mentioned, Sean, that you wrote a book. Uh, we are aware that you co-authored the book called Wikibranch, Reinventing Your Company in a Customer-Driven Market Space. What inspired you to write the book? 
Uh, I think, Craig, you kind of like, uh, so first of all, I did not conceive of myself of a writer. I come from business culture where if you can't put something on a one-page memo, it probably isn't worth doing. And so when um, I'd worked with a, one of the thought leaders of Canada called Don Tapscott, he had written a lot of stuff about collaboration. We wrote a 10,000, a nice tight 10,000 word uh, kind of white paper on how brands were collaborating well in the early 2010s. Um, we went to Boston, we presented it to his audience and we got like five out of fives. And it was like, um, Don came to us and said, you guys should really write a book. And I'm like, well, we've never done that before. Um, and a year and a half later, we had written this book called Wiki Brands. Uh, I've, I think just because one of your handlers, Carmen had mentioned, it's like, that's the English, uh, that's the Korean version or here, sorry, which, wait a minute, which one is which? That's the Korean version. That's the uh, North American version. I think here's the, here's the Italian version, maybe. Wow, um, good for you. So that's great. I feel like I'm doing an infomercial here, but uh, <laughs> they're just sitting on my desk. And I think to your question, Craig, like why, uh, why did I write it and how, what was the genesis? I think some of the best brands at the time and some of the best companies at the time, uh, the one defining thing that they were doing differently was they were collaborating with their customers, whether it was like just from a marketing standpoint, which was really at the time, like my, my wheelhouse, but a lot of them were building products together. They were building um, causes together. They were building kind of new innovation together. And so we were, we were kind of jazzed about interviewing the top 150 companies in the world that did that. And that led to a book. So how do you think that that's changed over the course of the last decade and in the last year? Great question. I think um, technology has had a real impact. I think I'll go, I'll go down three roads here. Technology has had a huge impact. So, um, you know, uh, as much as we were 10 years ago going, look, we'll all collaborate and we'll the sharing economy will be great and fair for everybody. Um, platforms and technology took over and AI took over. And so we're probably dealing in an era right now that's a little bit more depersonalized. I would say, you know, people don't have time anymore. Um, and it's all about, do I have that piece of technology that's smarter than you to actually make sense of the world? And so much more technology um, abetted. As much as we thought we were fast back in 2010, and we talk about it in the book, we're so much faster now. Like, it's incredible. The, the time span between you know, I'm a garage entrepreneur and I want to produce something is now measured in months versus years. Uh, and so I think that's another thing. How do you go about a five-year planning exercise when somebody can sideswipe you three months into it is a real, real challenge for people. And I think I'm a little bit heartened by what's happened during the pandemic. I think my hope is there's some goodwill that's being created in terms of looking at the world through a different prism. And I think one of the big other things is just as you launch innovation and change and new marketing, um, thinking about kind of a broader perspective to the world, you know, how can we be fair? How can we be more inclusive? How can we planetary wise um, make good impact is really good to the point where we didn't think we had enough in our most our, in our upcoming book. So we went back to the well and actually, you know, made sure that we covered off that point um, a little bit more completely. Mm -hmm. Well, I think that's a huge, I want to say trend because that sounds fatty, but it's a, I think it's a huge um, driver for a lot of the younger generation now that are up and coming and new starters and innovators. They aren't just thinking about making money. 
they're thinking about how that they can impact positively the world. And even it costs a little bit more to the end user, how that they can positively impact the world. And I mean, 10 years ago, talking about how fast things are, 10 years ago, in general, we did not have social media. Social media was just launching 10 years ago. Facebook had launched, I think, in 2008, but the general population wasn't on board yet in, by 2010. So when I started the company um, that I, I first became an entrepreneur and, and created the first product, we had no social media. But when we went on Dragon's Den, we had 90,000 hits on the website the, the, in 2009, late 2009. So I always think back, if I only had social media back then, it would have just exploded. But social media has created such a ramp up of, of speediness and, and pace to our world that communication is just instant, right? Whereas in 10 years ago, it still wasn't as rampant. No, you're right. I mean, I think we're most of us were on social media at the time, but most of us were still trying to figure things out, yeah. right? Like Absolutely. I know... Um, so you're right. It's, it's really matured, uh, to the point now where it's like, I don't know about your, yourself guys, but I, I kind of like when something gets really established, I move on to the next yeah. thing. So, um, it's, it's that established. The algorithms are known inside the companies and, and the companies that actually work in social media are really, really good. If you look at some of the, um, the VPs of social media for some of the bigger companies I've looked at, it's like, I just look at their, um, computer screens and I go, what the hell is happening on your screen right now? They're just that into it. And so, right. um, so I've, I kind of thought, wow, like there's a mature medium now. Let's, let's make sure I move on to the next space. Right. 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 I've stunned you with that, that answer. Um, so you have another organization that you have recently founded called the Gray Swan Guild. So tell us about that. Yeah, the Gray Swan Guild. It's a simple portmanteau between gray swans. It, uh, this is an actual economic term. You've probably heard of black swans before, yeah. either based on the movie or we've all talked about 2020 in those terms. Kind of unpredictable events that you, know, you couldn't have seen coming. Gray swans, on the other hand, are ones that are improbable, but with enough sweat equity and enough passion and enough um, insightful understanding, you might have been able to at least forecast a scenario that a gray swan might happen. They're usually rare, they're improbable, but um, certainly um, if you think about the future, they have um, drastic impact on the fates of different companies and governments and different organizations. So, give, so give, us, a, give us an example. Well, I mean, 2020 is a classic one, right? Like no one could have seen the pandemic coming. Uh, we had actually done a survey back in 2019 that said, yes, pandemics were a plausibility, but they were the 17th most important plausibility of what would have happened. And all of a sudden in a span of what, two weeks in Wuhan, China, mm -hmm. it became the most important thing that we had to cover off over the course of the year. I would say moving forward, because it's always hindsight's always more accurate than foresight, right? Like we're always like, well, what's next? Because people don't want to step into that guillotine. Um, you, know, you know, we're not in the prediction game. We proof against these things. They're not going to necessarily happen. But I think one of the big risks right now is cybersecurity. You got a whack load of people working from home. You've got a number of different, um, you know, black hats, if you will, out there that want to either steal intelligence or wealth or some other types of things. 
and you've got uh, a backbone that is extraordinarily fragile that mm-hmm. allows people to actually go in and actually do that. And so if I was to make a prediction on the number one thing that might affect our next five years, like the pandemic has, it might be some type of cybersecurity situation where you go to your bank one day, Claudia, and you find out, oh my God, I have no money in my bank. What just happened? Uh, well, the cyber grace one just happened. And so we're a group of people that, you know, like to think we're smart about um, seeing the future, bringing it forward, um, and then provide some emergent perspectives around that. Uh, and so that's that's kind of our raison d'etre. And, um, you know, we like to say that we were born out of a pandemic, we were minted on Zoom, and we were made for real life. Um, <laughs> I love that. Yeah. That's great. <laughs> who's who's in your guild? Who who belongs to with you? Oh, so many interesting people. Like this is like asking me, like, what's your favorite child? Right. Um, <laughs> uh, we do have a board of about nineteen of us that are globally represented. I think all of our continents are represented, um, and. I'm not going to mention any specific one. We've got like, you know, uh, Chris Col- uh, Stephen Colbert's brother is in our guild. Um, there's a, a few really interesting kind of more celebrity kind of people. But I would say the one defining factor is, or maybe two, two defining factors of nearly everybody that joins our guild. One, they give a damn about the world. Um, so beyond being really good at what they do professionally, they give a damn about the world and have a positive kind of aspirational approach in terms of humanity. And um, they usually have like some really interesting stuff going on in the side of their lives. And I don't know why I always bring this up, but there's a guy, Xander, who runs our tech stack and he's great at technology and understands it perfectly. But then he's a maple syrup craftsman on the side. like. You know, where do you find that Venn diagram of skills? And yet, time and time again, when people join our guild, I'm like, wow, I had no idea that you were into modern interpretive dance and were also a great marketer. That's amazing. And so um, that's what well, we try to attract, I guess. Well, I think, I think that speaks to the diversity of the people that are joining you because, um, especially in our COVID world, people have now branched out to stuff that they've never even tried before and never even done before. Or people have sat back and watched Netflix and let the world keep going. So I'm bored out of my brain with watching Netflix and on the best of times. So it's, you know, trying new things. And those type of people probably have the pulse of what could be trending or what could be coming up into the future. So it's interesting. I mean, your book 10 years ago talked about collaboration and you've created an organization that is in essence collaborating. One of the things that I found talking about the pandemic, so bringing back, the comment about the pandemic and how it could have been foreseen. I, I do know that there are statistics and there's conversation back in 2000 and gosh, seven, eight with public health officials, even in Toronto, because SARS was in Toronto, it landed in Toronto, stopped in Toronto, but they, they would warn that this pandemic was going to happen, that something was going to happen to trigger something globally. And it was a hundred years earlier that we had had a pandemic, but no one was listening. In fact, governments had started taking away resources from public health officials and and governments because they thought, ah, it's okay. So it's how do you you listen to the people that actually do have the pulse of something that's going on and activate that in preparation for something to not have something happen, right? So I agree. And I think I I would only add to Claudia that, you know, we, we, we can all be better at this. Like we can all read more. We can all kind of look at the world through a different prism. But I think there's 
you know, by and large across most industries, there's 3% of us that are virtuosos in any type of that space. Yeah. And so as much as we're trying to make people better at doing it, we've also tried to attract that 3% of those virtuosos that just cool. kind of understand what's coming next better than the next person. So what are you going to do with this information? Are you going to become lobbyists or are you, what are you going to do? I hope not. I hope <laughs> that sounds just the term itself sounds, sounds ooh, dirty. Um, no, I mean, I think we've, we've turned our stuff to date into a few different things. One, um, we produce a whack load of different reports that we offer up free to the world. Um, but there are points of view. We also produce a number of different events. And so I spend half my life on Zoom just because that's what we do now in a pandemic. And um, kind of we're socializing some of our insights. I think some of the more interesting things down the road for us is working with governments and foundations and not-for-profits and businesses to actually take our learnings and actually turn them into stuff that are real implications for companies and, and hopefully impacting their directions, which would be very, very cool. And we're about to launch, similar to you guys, I guess, you're quite smart in terms of just creating a channel of communication that personalizes yourself. We're about to launch a, a network called Grace One Guild Network of eight different podcasts, webcasts, and live stream channels that all have a different flavor to them. So nice. we want to be the NPR of making sense of the world. That's awesome. Yeah. That's really, very yes. great. Well, congratulations. Yes. Well, it hasn't launched yet. So but congratulate me. Uh, when okay, this yeah, we'll come on in, right? in six months, nine months. <laughs> yeah. Congratulations will come soon. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I'm going to shift gears a little bit here. So we heard that you starred in Infinity's Canada Undiscovered, a travel adventure series. Tell us about this. Yeah, I'm like, I am not, a t like, I, life and work is almost an interesting serendipitous kind of trail of things, Craig. It's like, I, I didn't think I was an author, did something, became an author. I didn't think I was a TV host, did something, and uh, became a TV host. And so there was this really cool opportunity one August uh, in a summer where I got to travel around Canada to places that people typically don't go to. So, um there's a, an island way off of Nova Scotia called Sable Island where all these ponies from like 300 years ago got stranded. So we got to go there for a day. Uh, we didn't drive the car there. Um, so um, they were smart enough not to do that. There were, there's a desert right on, like Canada's only desert, which is like straddling Northwest Territories and Saskatchewan. We got to, um, to go there as well. So we got to go to all these fascinating places. I, uh, I actually bought an Infinity afterwards. So, I mean, I think um, uh, I was a, a bit of a fan of the car as well. It's always great when the sponsor of your production actually becomes something that you really, really like. Yeah. And it was just really interesting um, having this really hard scrabble crew of six of us kind of travel across the country and actually um, kind of make up scripts as we go. It was like, I had to do my own makeup. So I'm like, my director was always like, Sean, you've got these deep inset eyes. You got to like put underliner or whatever. I don't, I don't even know what you do now. But back then I had about 700 bucks of Sephora product in my uh, my suitcase trying to do makeup before our next take. So it was, uh, as you can see today, I no makeup applied today. So, But it was really, really cool seeing Canada. It was interesting, the, uh, the relationship with the camera in terms of, uh, you know, being less about the innovator and more about the uh, the voice box for what they were trying to do. I think those are two very different roles. So I, I think I grew through the experience. And uh, yeah, it was just, it was a great summer of um, hard work, but also really cool kind of seeing parts of Canada that I'll never see again. 
That yeah. sounds yeah, that so much fun. Wonderful experience for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Awesome. Um, well, Sean, uh, thank you so much for being a guest on our show today. I mean, your background is so diversified. Um, I would love to hear in you know six months, nine months about the of the Grace Warren Guild and how you're doing. I think the impact on that's going to be fantastic. So, um, so thank you very much for joining us. It's been really, really interesting. No, yeah. I appreciate the invite. You guys uh, ask smart questions. That's always a, uh, well, a we great try. indicator. <laughs> no, it's like we're sitting in a in a coffee shop having a great chat with each other. That's a, usually my litmus test for a good uh, good twenty minutes spent together. So now, I'll just you miss- give you one more question there, Sean. What's the best way for people to get a hold of you? Yeah, great question. Uh, I'm usually good on the social media. I mean, it's Sean Moffitt, S-E-A-N-M-O-F-F-I-T-T. You can get me on Twitter and uh, certainly LinkedIn is also another area. Um, hello at futureproofingnext.com and futureproofingnext.com are probably the two kind of commercial places to uh, find me. So, well, Excellent. best of luck with all your future endeavors because it sounds quite exciting. Thanks, guys. I really appreciate yeah. it. Yeah, thank you, Sean. Thank you very much for joining us. And this, unfortunately, ends the segment for today. And we always like to finish off with a quote. So, Claudia, what do you have for us today? Okay, so here's a quiz time. Who said this? Education is our passport to the future, for tomorrow belongs to the people who prepare for it today. Mm. And it was a it was a person of renowned, um, people knew about him. <laughs> so who said that? Anybody? Ding, ding, ding. Malcolm X. So there you go. Very cool. Very cool. Well, thank you, Claudia. Thank you again, Sean. And our next guest will be Pete Winters, founder of Viral Media Fundraising. Pete helps nonprofit. Pete helps nonprofits, causes, and foundations to go viral. And please remember to like, comment, and subscribe to our podcast channel if you're watching this on YouTube. Hit that notification bell to get updates on our latest podcast. Thank you all for listening and partaking. Thank you so much, Sean, for being a part. And we'll catch you later. Thank you, everyone. Take care. Yes.